Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that gets you ready for the Hollywood week to come. Recapping the Hollywood week that was this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co host, Mike One. Also, Mike, in a moment, but this is October 7th, 2019. 15 years to the day of the release of the Billy Bob Thornton epic. Friday Night Lights, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost. Our team lost this week. Uh, we, we talked about it in the pre-production. So I'm a little down, hoping the Giants can pull one out. Yeah, the fo- football is not treating me well. I, 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 my baseball fans, so the Yankees are, are yeah, doing it right. Yeah, it's a nice balance in your professional life. It's just that, the, for those of you who don't know, if you're maybe listening for the first time, also Mike is a, a coach for a powerhouse program here We haven't in lost in a couple of years, yeah. That, uh, that suffered an L, but that's all right. Much like the Friday Night Lights movie, <laughs> I assume everything works out for everybody in the end there, so you'll probably win. <laughs> what? <laughs> They lose the last game. Uh, We have a big week. A lot of stuff. This is the story that's going to recap everything that happened in Hollywood. So I guess let's get right to it. And the biggest news of the week is also our box office update. So let's dive right into it. Uh, Some movie did some good at the box office this week, Michael. Yeah, Joker has made an estimated $93.5 million domestically at 4,300 plus theaters, Mike. $140 million overseas for a 234 global take. So the initial reaction is what I just tweeted right before we hit record here. This is good news for movies, mm-hmm. comic book movies especially, mid takes movies. on movies, mid-budget movies. Uh, this Brothers. is great news for heavy movies that force the audience to think, right? True. I mean, this is kind of a, a great underlying thing, despite all the controversy, despite all the, the warnings and the worries and all the things that went into this movie's release obviously didn't impact or affect the box office because we have a new leader now in the clubhouse for biggest October opening of all time. Only a you know low 60s budget and it earned 57 million overseas by Friday with 39 million on Friday, 13 million as you said in our Joker review, 13 million in Thursday night previews which was 3 million more than Venom. Yeah. It is going to beat Venom by 13 million Yeah, almost almost 20%. 19, if it goes to 95 million, it'll be close to 19% over what Venom did at 80.25 million last year. Okay, so good for the movies, but the box office overall for this weekend. Strange. 18.2% less is the projection than what this weekend in 2018 did, which is when Venom came out. Ironically, both movies having the same weekend release date as well, Joker and Venom. Do you think studios really thought Judy was going to build into that A Star is Born that we had last year at this time? It's an interesting point. Were uh, they looking that, at that on the schedule and they're like, all right, well, they, there's the number two for this week. That's the counter-programming mm-hmm. for this week. That fits. And yet, Judy is a much more modest money earner. It's going to do okay overall if it keeps building a little bit. Yeah, it certainly didn't carry the numbers that A Star is no. Born carried in its debut. A Star is Born last year did like $42 million, released the same weekend as Venom. Venom took the, the weekend and set that historical precedent that Joker is now busting through. I don't know. We talked about this, too, in the pre-production. Box Office Mojo kind of has estimations for their box office numbers. I don't know if they estimate the movies, too, and then have them as a running tally. They'll go back and update them. But if the total movie number is what it is, 
Right now, the number of total movies that released for this weekend in 2019 was 40, mm -hmm. which is the lowest number of releases since 1991. This weekend last year, 2018, had 122 movies released. My guess weekend. is that they're just going down to 40 on the preliminary estimates list because we're recording this earlier in the day. I would assume, yeah, that's how I feel as well. I have no knowledge as to what they're doing. But if it is 40... I mean, we talk all the time about studios worrying about the placement and release dates and having to battle Disney always in the back of their minds and all these studios kind of tightening sh tightening up the ship and only being interested in franchise pictures and making money pictures. So the, the, the worries are starting to bear fruit, I would say, across the movie industry. I would well number one I'd be curious if that 120 mm -hmm. is more like an 88 number this week or a 100 number this week then that would be a testament to streaming yeah but that's definitely a list thing with a preliminary box Agreed. office mojo thing let's talk about critical reception for Joker though because the numbers keep going down Mike we, we talked about it as like a 73 percenter on the review that yep. we just did now it's down in 69 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and it's down to nice. a 58. Metascore. 69% uh, Rotten Tomatoes score there from the... Yeah, this is critics first. Audience reception, B-plus cinema score, which is very good. 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb on 116,000 votes. That's fantastic. Fantastic. That's all-timer numbers there. 91% audience score thus far on Rotten Tomatoes. Only 13,000 reviews weighing in there. This film is being well-received by the audiences, and I think the more critics that see it are being weighed down by the controversy to a degree. Maybe they're just not liking it as much as you know yeah. we thought we would and they thought they would. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the audiences are so high on it because they're thinking critically about it and not because they feel it's cathartic. <laughs> like, you know, I'm hoping they're not like, yeah! I saw that meme on Twitter someone put up that, uh, you know, that look you give when the guy, uh, that one person in the theater starts openly clapping during the finale of Joker. And it's oh. like, oh, jeez, giving him a look. So in my mind, I'm just saying it's because we have smart moviegoers and smart movie watchers and they're thinking critically about it. And You're the enjoy. optimist today. I have to be. Otherwise, it's an <laughs> apocalyptic event that we're facing. Oh, God. So uh, nonetheless, regardless of any of that or any of the peripheral stuff, because that's an easy word for me to say. Good for Joker, good for WB, smash hit, going to break all kinds of records going forward. And the only thing we have to ask ourselves now is, is it Oscar worthy? How far does this go? How far does the momentum bring it? We shared all our opinions and more. And I want to highlight and underscore, we really, really tried. We put a lot of effort into our Joker OSP, and we really tried to give you some takes that maybe you're not going to get everywhere else. We tried to differentiate what we put forward from what we were seeing, reading, and hearing from a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. So we truly, truly, and really would love you to go listen to our takes and give us some feedback. For those of you that have, it's been awesome. You guys have really been putting forward some uh, yeah, hard-hitting and, and critically thinking stuff. But if you haven't gotten the chance of that, do go back into our last episode and go check out our Joker OSP slash Joker Character Study Series, the review of the Joaquin Phoenix movie that we did. Yeah, it's a hell of a movie to, to basically sure sit is. down and talk about afterwards. Second place went to Abominable Mike, 12 million on the weekend, 76 worldwide. Uh, it's doing okay. Happy but to see that. Budget is high though. It's higher than I thought. Oh, is that? I didn't get any. Uh, yeah, didn't read into it. seventy-five million on wow. the budget. So, uh, I mean, it's not as high as some other, you know, Pixar movies. No, of course, but that, that's a that's a high for Universal animated feature. That's a, a hefty number. It's it's got somewhere to go yeah. in terms of making money. Downton Abbey though. <laughs> 
Raking it in. <laughs> Eight million this weekend domestically. One hundred and thirty-five million globally. So when is that the, sequel going to get, get the announced? Weekly update here. How's also mom feeling about this? She wants to any... see it again. Yeah. She wants to see it again. Yeah. Hasn't she seen it twice? She's seen it twice. Wow. She wants to see it again, and uh, can't wait till it's on video. That's like that. <laughs> when that's on video, she's gonna buy it immediately. It's a very heartwarm. It just makes you feel good. It's a very inoffensive, non-controversial. It's the exact opposite of what Joker is. I did watch the SNL skit. I sh- I, I oh, sent it to her. So good. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> From last week's SNL, they had a parody. A month of a and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hustlers made 6.3 in fourth place. It's $110 million on the worldwide box office thus far for Hustlers. That was on a $20 million budget, so that's raking it in as well. Weep for Annapurna, man. (laughs) STX right now. Hustlers is at $5.5 for every $1 of production. And Annapurna, which is dying to make any kind of money off the backs of of any of these movies, sold these rights to STX because of their bankruptcy issues that they were going through. They've righted the ship since. We've reported on that a bunch here on MMO Weekly and on Oscar Race Checkpoint, but Hustler's making bank. J-Lo announces the Super Bowl halftime performer. She's walking the, the Paris Fashion Week runway as the closer in the that Oscars dress. dress that she wore 20 years ago. This is a girl that's going all out for this Oscars campaign, and I love her for it. Does she look better now? I, Listen, she, she looks better now, in my opinion. The biggest takeaway I have from our Hustler's review is that Brad Pitt and J-Lo are inhuman. They're inhuman. They look phenomenal for two people that are in their 50s, and we are in our 30s, and we look <laughs> not even of the same species. So God bless them. I'm down 13 pounds, though. I'm trying. I'm Good trying for really you. Really yeah. hard. Salads every day. It's a nightmare, but it, it is. That six pack is right around the corner, bro. Oh, six pack. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'll never happen again. Again, because I uh, one time. That's a, that's a humble brag by you. That's well, a nice little I brag to, that you I slid in there. Be, I like that. I used to be ripped. I used to be able to see my feet. Out of college, too. I used to be ripped, but oh, how the mighty have fallen. It Chapter 2 came in fifth, 5.4 million, 436 total on the worldwide take, and that was on a 60-something million dollar budget. Yeah, so, so you were able to find a number that suggests it was higher. I mean, It Chapter 1, I kept saying, was $35 million production budget. You were able to you find You know what, 79 says, was the number. Was it production? I, I think so. Production budget? Okay, so Who knows what they did So even if it's $80 million, this is doing, right now, it's got a 436.7 worldwide gross, so even if it is... A hundred million, which it's not. It's doing four times the production, so it's clearly in the black. Another great move. Warner Brothers is cleaning up lately. Sony did really, really well. Disney always does well. Mm-hmm. So now it's nice to see Warner Brothers is like that third studio. That's that's a major studio. It's not having trouble finding money. Good for them. And it's again, you weep for Annapurna. <laughs> oh God, the, the tears of near bankruptcy. Okay, so five movies to weigh in on quick here at the box office. Judy came in six, like I said, four point four million on the weekend. It's almost up to nine total, so it's doing okay. I have no idea what the budget on that was, so we'll I have, have to found figure it out. Yeah. We reviewed that in our last Oscar race checkpoint, doing something new, which was cool. We did like thirty minutes on it at the top of that show. We're gonna continue to pick and choose movies where we think maybe it's it's up for one, maybe one and a half yeah and what we, it, we, it's out of necessity because we just don't have that many time slots yeah, we to review movies about it but i mean even the movies like honey boy if they were to gather much momentum we're gonna have to give orcs and osps and all this stuff yeah we have to review all these movies coming up so it's a necessity the thing, like sooner you get us to that number on rotten tomatoes or that or <laughs> apple podcast for our rotten tomatoes application then we can start seeing screenings early yeah and then we can you know kind of review things you know and plan them out more and review things more consistently so 
please, if you have not yeah. rated us on iTunes yet, give us those five stars. That will help us out a great Ask deal. your friends. Steal their iPhones for two seconds if you can. <laughs> do what you got to do. But seriously, we do. Uh, we appreciate the work that's been done thus far. We just will need a little more from you guys, and we appreciate that. If you can get that done on your podcast app, go search Mike, Mike, Thank and Oscar. You. Tap on our logo. Scroll down once and give us five stars. And then give your friend their, uh, their phone back. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't the president get in trouble for something like this? <laughs> That we hypocritically him? No, it doesn't him sound for. like him. <laughs> At Astra Mike, 111 million worldwide thus far. That's not going to do it. It had a big budget there. Uh, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of finished its run during the week last week. That's up to 363 million worldwide. <laughs> Just short. Uh, they needed 375. 375 plus, right? was the number for Sony to start seeing any dollars of profit off of that. As it is, it looks like Tarantino did well. <laughs> and Sony lost about $12 million. So oh, so well. far, yeah. so far. I mean, it's going to do well on video, video and, and on-demand. In perpetuity sure. there, yeah. whoever has the rights to that. Right. It might be Tarantino. Might be Tarantino, yeah. Maybe this was a one and they, that was their only chance. Lucy in the Sky was DOA. This is the Noah Hawley, uh, Natalie Portman movie there, Mike. This is sad. Very low review numbers across the board. I was looking forward to this one. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be meriting any kind of review from us. 1.5K theater average at only 37K theaters, yeah. so that didn't do it. Pain and Glory, though, made 40,000 at four theaters, so that was a strong a high number. take for a, you know international film at the Indieplex there. So we'll be uh, you know reviewing that in one way, shape, or form. I'm really excited about that, Mike. I... I'm worried about it. I'm, wor I'm worried for myself about seeing. I'm looking forward to Parasite. I'm looking forward to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Just based off the preview of Pain and Glory, it looks exactly like every kind of stereotypical international feature film yeah. that people have made fun of for years. So I don't know that I have the motivation and the seeing juice it, for it. Seeing it soon, so I'm, yeah. I'm into that. All right. All right. So well, hopefully you can talk me into being more excited about it. But right. that's our box, box office update for this week. Our hat tips off to Joker for setting all that new record and all that new October precedent. And WB for doing a great job there. Uh, we will move on here to some audience interaction stuff. And we have a six degrees of MMO to go over. Cal Penn to Robert De Niro was the challenge. We had two efficiency award winners who cited the same moment which was hysterical. We had Top 5 for Fighting podcast mm -hmm. at Top 5 for Fighting and Merck with a movie blog, who's a frequent flyer in this, both citing that Cal Penn and Robert De Niro were both at the Global Citizen Festival in New York City last year in 2018, and they both shared the stage at the same time with Rachel Brosnahan. And Top 5 Providing sent the uh, YouTube video so we can <laughs> confirm this one. We finally can confirm that our fans are not lying to us. Uh, I don't, do you want to know if they're lying to us? I don't want to know. No, of course at this not. Point. No. I just, I, want you, I just want us to assume that what they tell us, no matter how off-color absurd is fact. One MMO don't know won't hurt us. <laughs> uh, Jack Mayer at jmay658 and Wojciech Weischer both had Cal Penn is in Superman Returns with Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth is in Heist with Robert De Niro. Both had that one as well. What is Heist other than a verb? Was that the Eddie Murphy not, Robert De Niro movie? Oh, maybe? Were maybe. they in a movie together? I don't know. Do we have to stop and look <laughs> this up? I know Tower Heist was an Eddie Murphy, Ben Stiller movie. I just said I didn't want to check anybody ever, but yeah, Robert De Niro's in Heist. No, that's not the Eddie Murphy movie. Is that the Marlon Brando movie? This 4.1 million Scott Mann movie of 2015. No, it's not the one I'm thinking of. 
and it looks like a bunch of bearded white men in here. All right, sounds like a De Niro movie. I can't uh, tell which bearded white men. <laughs> More on De Niro as we get down to uh, some Do You Care stories, so stay tuned for that. Mark yeah. Burgundy at The One Hanson. He says, had a bunch of good ones, by the way. He did. Uh, Cal Penn was an epic movie, which was anything but epic. <laughs> uh, true. Another movie which was very unepic was Rocky and Bullwinkle, which starred De Niro. This just made me laugh. Also ties into last week, uh, the Boris and Natasha movie. We talked about how Sid yeah. Haig making the made an appearance on that so based off those characters De Niro made fun of Rocky and Bullwinkle when he was roasting Alec Baldwin as well so <laughs> I, whatever worked for Mark Burgundy this week however he came to that that was funny Joe Farrelly at Joe Ed Farrelly says Cal Penn talks to people <laughs> and De Niro famously looked in the mirror and asked you talking to me uh, uh, yes <laughs> Both of those. Yeah, presumably, we think Cal Penn talks to people. We have no video to back that up, like we do that he showed up at the Global Citizen Festival. We for- did have a video where he was talking to people on stage with, with De Niro, so you're, you're, right. you're wrong. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm wrong there. Absolutely. Good, great job. Uh, Scott at S-C-O-P-H-I, Cal Penn, appeared in Superman Returns, which featured archive footage of Marlon Brando as Superman's father. Marlon Brando was, in, was Don Corleone, excuse me. De Niro... Also, of course, playing Don Corleone. I like that he ties it into The Godfather. That's yeah. a nice, good way to go there. That was excellent. All right, so let's get into the specialty awards yeah. now. We have the Robert Just Gets Us Award. <laughs> this is Robert Doherty at Robert Doc 1984. Mm-hmm. Penn worked in the White House under Barack Obama, mm-hmm. who cameoed on Saturday Night Live with Amy Poehler, who was in Sisters with Ike Barinholtz, who was in Suicide Squad with Jared Leto, something we just reviewed, yeah. who was the last Joker before Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, he's listening to our Joker characters. <laughs> Study. He's the one who was Joker, uh, who was in Joker rather with De Niro. Yeah, he's playing very, very nicely into our niche. We mentioned Cal Penn on last week's MMOW in the What We're Watching section. As far as Sunny Side, that's why he's here in Six Degrees. He mentions our Joker character study series. He mentions our Joker OSP. Yes. Uh, Robert Doc. Thank Props you. to you. You Thank just you. get us. Honorary third member of the MMO team this week, I think, is what we can call you. Dark Nook, frequent flyer lately for certain. At Dark Nook Shop. Okay, since this one is so easy. This is the Pineapple Express Award, by the way. <laughs> okay, I like it. I was also working with the Sticky Icky, just giving him a word that's sticky, that sticks to his hands. So, weed. <laughs> Uh, he says, I'm going to add my own degree of difficulty in honor of Cal, who I love in the Harold and Kumar movies. Me too. Yes. Kiss and point to the sky. Uh, Cal to Bobby, but only through characters who smoke pot on screen in the movie listed. Here we go. Cal Penn in Harold and Kumar with Bobby Lee, who was in Pineapple Express, but Bobby's part was cut at the last minute because he had demanded his own trailer. How do you know Bobby this? got his trailer and then was entirely cut from the movie. I don't know if that's true at all, but it definitely sounds like a Bobby Lee type move. (laughs) James Franco was in Pineapple Express, and here's where we go off the trails, he says. Pineapple Express writer Judd Apatow cites Brad Pitt's pothead character in True Romance as his inspiration for James Franco's character, Saul. Apatow put an Easter egg in Pineapple Express as a nod to Tarantino, where Saul is hit by a car while crossing the street with his hands full of drinks, like Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction. That's great. Because True Romance was written by Tarantino, True Romance also featured Samuel L. Jackson, just like Jackie Brown, which has one Mr. Robert De Niro hitting the ball. That's awesome. (laughs) That's a great job. Awesome. Fantastic job there by Dark Nook, who always puts forth fantastic things. Very nice through line of of just weed, bringing everyone together and keeping them happy. And look what happened with De Niro and Jackie Brown when he wasn't smoking pot. 
at the end of that movie. You see? That's true. He he needed it, unfortunately. (laughs) He was self-medicating for good reasons. (laughs) Teresa Seidenberg at Wookie Lava. That's W-O-O-K-I-E-L-O-V-A is our winner this week. (laughs) Slash Ultimate David Lynch Award winner here because there are some crazy connections. And I had to reward this. I like the first one right off the top. Cal Penn and Lamar Odom were in Van Wilder. Remember when Lamar Odom was like trying to make a Hollywood career before like all this stuff happened? You remember when Lamar Odom was like the Draymond Green before right. Draymond Green? <laughs> you know, he's playing that you know three, four, or five. Right, back for Phil Jackson. Everything, putting in a lot of uh, a lot of work with the numbers, a lot of assists for a big man all over the place. He was a, he was a versatile guy. Mm-hmm. Versatile in his private life and as the well. Kardashians yeah. So Lamar Odom and Cherry Ryder, they connect because Cherry Ryder was Lamar's hooker at the Bunny Ranch. She was what? a professional sex worker. Let's get the lingo right. What? How does she know? Who knows these things? <laughs> Cherry was in Snoop Dogg's music video hit. M? Hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry was a That's the whitest you've ever been, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, just leave it in. Hit him is but I thought it was music video hit. There's punctuation, <laughs> Teresa, it's not your fault because you you're doing six degrees, but alright, I'm a dork. Right, hit him. Yeah, that was uh, hit him with the shoulders. Wit the shoulders? How does it how do you pronounce this? How does one say these? Hit him things? with the shoulders. That's all you got. It's just is that like the one, whole thing? Hit him with the shoulder. I think I think it's just I, I think it's called hit him with the shoulders. I don't know. Snoop I'm not Dog that is, steeped in Snoop Dogg's uh, He's a good football coach. Discography. And he, he knows, he knows okay. football. Well, that's good. I know his son is like at, at something. UCLA yeah, he coached his US, son all yeah. the way up. He's in all those videos. There's like a Netflix series on you. <laughs> oh, uh, is it really? Yeah, where he's coaching kids. It's, right. He's a great, great well, see, coach. What you, what you lack in, in not being white, you pick up for in football. In being white. Yes. Snoop Dogg <laughs> and Robert De Niro were in the intern together. And Again, I can't believe that. What, which is the intern? I don't even remember. Is that the, that's not the Jennifer Lopez one. No, that's where old man is an intern in a white. Oh, right, right, right. That's a, um, Anne Hathaway movie. Thank you very much. That's a great, great connection. Uh, Lamar Odom getting a mention in six degrees of MMO without being a, an end point or a starting point, I think is a great job. And then working in <laughs> the work of Cherry Ryder outside of what she is chosen for her profession is really a fantastic job. Insane. Uh, a very well-earned well victory for Teresa Seidenberg. You are the victor of all things Six Degrees of MMO. You sit upon the leather throne, which we have revamped and redone, mm-hmm. as Mike and I wear ghost masks and jester hats. It and is floating cake. for Halloween. It is floating for Halloween. Yes, so I guess we got to add something to it this week. So what are we doing with the chair this well, week? Well, amidst all the Halloween decorations that are now outside. I see. So is the chair outside now? Is this what you're saying? So the chair is outside. I like it. Because right. it floated like, you know... Through the the ceiling of the basement, right, right, it made its transparent. Own way. So it's a it's a chair that can allow you to you know go between interdimensions and space and time. You can get through both of those. Things. Right, I like it. And it can be a time traveling chair. because it's a time traveling chair, and also because it's outside and it's cold now in the Northeast. It has blankets attached to it. Yeah, you can, but you can time travel right. back to summer if you really need to. <laughs> Right. I like right. it. Or yeah. two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. The weather's been bizarre. Yeah, right. It's like that's 90 degrees yeah. two weeks ago, right. and now it's 50 to exactly. 40 Exactly. Perfect. So that's what you 
have <laughs> and what you are seated upon, Teresa. Great job, and thank you for the love there. But uh, us and our motley, we had to climb up the stairs because we naturally could, we couldn't just float through the ceiling. We're trying to lose weight too. That's the thing. We take the more manual route there. Uh, we <laughs> do have a new six degrees of MMO challenge for you all this week. We are doing Zazzy Beats, who yeah. does have a role in this, of course, the notorious Joker movie that has just come out and set all kinds of records. And how about this? I chose mm-hmm. to Conrad Buff. Now, who is Conrad Buff? Right. Unlike uh, Cherry Ryder, Conrad Buff, despite the namesake, is not a professional sex worker. Conrad Buff is the editor of four James Cameron films. Huh. Because Terminator Dark Fate comes out and James Cameron obviously was the director of the first two Terminators and he is back as an executive producer of this Terminator movie. I figured I'd go a little off-kelter, a little off-kelter. Conrad Buff. It's a curveball. He's got a long editing history. He's been involved in a lot of properties in Hollywood. I think it's over like 40-some-odd films as an editor. Did you research if he's edited a Zazzy Beats movie? I had not. So what if he edited a Zazzy Beats movie? Well, we don't have to mention the easiest efficiency <laughs> award. We could pick an efficiency award winner that we like as opposed to the one that's easiest. So use your creativity. If there is a Zazzy Beats movie, which Conrad Buff, which is really also a spectacular professional sex worker name, if I'm being honest. If that, you so that's to, why you chose him. Right. All of that other nonsense <laughs> was just you enjoyed his name. Yeah, that's where it boils down to. I won't lie to you. Uh, so Zazzy beats the Conrad Buff. Do you, I mean, do you want to avoid trouble? Do you want to add in a third route that they have to go through here? I think we're going to push pause and make sure he didn't do one of her movies. Hold on. Yeah, so with a seamless edit uh, that you won't notice whatsoever, <laughs> we're good. She, he doesn't. He hasn't edited a movie that Zazzy Beats is in. So Conrad Buff to Zazzy Beats or vice versa. Do you want to add a third? No, I think we're that's, good, that's straight probably with hard it? enough, right. and I'll let them uh, have some fun with it and get weird. So that is your challenge for this week's Six Degrees of MMO Challenge. Uh, we'll move now into reviewing the latest trailer for Terminator Dark Fate into some trailer thoughts. Trailer! Mike, how many trailers and behind-the-scenes yeah. featurettes until we've witnessed this entire movie? I mean, this is four now. I feel like I've seen this whole thing. I'm officially worried about this movie now. Like, Just because it's so many right. of Like, the first look, they sold me. I was interested. Was in. Second trailer was the second trailer. That's fine. We've had one four-minute behind-the-scenes vignette already. And it's like, okay... You've already sold me on it. Why are you I'm trying in. to convince me more? I'm in. <laughs> I'm now, in. I'm in. Have another one, which is just. Are you worried about the box office? Is that's what? And the box office projections have been low. The long term ones, at right? Least. They've been saying that this might struggle out of the gate, which I was surprised to see. But like this trailer is mimicking the plot from the first two Terminators. Like you're literally getting parallel scenes from how the Terminators are, are and the. Uh, the bad guy Terminators are knocking on doors and going into their home life and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. a Terminator movie. I get it. I get it what, what they're going to do with it. I get it's going to be basically a remake. I'm. Are you worried about this now? How do you? Are you still excited to see it? I'm just wor- worried because they keep selling me something that I already pre-bought. Right. Well, uh, I, I will say that's not the lowest I was on a movie of these trailers that we have coming up. True. We got three in a row now that I have thoughts on. And we'll start with The Gentleman, which is the premise of a guy Ritchie makes another movie with gunshots and barely audible British fast talking featuring weed and Matthew McConaughey. 
Look, this is going to be a movie I really, really, really <laughs> want to see, though. It's release date worries me, however, because it's January 24th. And that means it's probably really, 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 really bad. <laughs> like, you're grasping on to this release. I, I don't think it means it's going to be bad. It just probably won't be an Oscars movie. It's crap month, though. In <laughs> January, we usually get crap. Everybody, you know, dumps stuff into that month. But the escape room was fine. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I keep not watching it for that reason. Guy Ritchie is back doing a gangster film, Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Rock and Rolla. It's a dialogue heavy, you know, early in the trailer, but let's be honest here. Hugh yeah. Grant. Yep. Hugh Grant has been having a sneaky great decade of Aryan English Scandal, Paddington 2, yep. Florence Foster Jenkins. Now he's a main guy, like the most interesting character in this Guy Ritchie gangster movie trailer. I love them here. I think Same. he's going to surprise people with an Oscars movie on on the horizon. But you don't think it's going to be this one? No, it's, it's not going to be this January. One. It's January 24th. <laughs> no chance. Um, I, I co-sign. I, I repeat everything you just said. I wasn't even positive it was Hugh Grant in this trailer. I had to, like, double take, triple take, and make sure to myself. He's been in so many weird characters yeah. lately that, yeah, you don't recognize him as much. Bit of a, maybe a career renaissance for him. Opening new doors, trying new things. Of the action movies in this section that we're going to talk about, and there will be a few, this is the only one which I will speak even somewhat positively about. Really? And it's all because of Hugh Grant. I just like that maybe we're getting a career revitalization from him, and we're going to see all kinds of new characters coming out of him. I kind of like funny Colin Farrell though too he's being weird I want weird Colin Farrell he makes a joke that might be a little wrong though I don't know it's kind of funny as in a dad jokey sort of way but it's like an old school dad who almost might be making a joke that people shouldn't be laughing at it's a little off color <laughs> Colin Farrell is awesome when he is like the wacky character but I just wish he never did the bullseye dead shot whoever the bad guy was the daredevil movie that he did because I'm always worried about like him going too far in that direction yeah. and ending up as a parody of that character it's like I don't ever want to see that again that's true <laughs> he's like been just a cooler for all these yeah. big budget movies though too yeah like how many movies has he been in that, that have been, been disappointments I haven't liked a lot of Colin Farrell stuff uh, since Phone Booth I don't think I mean In Bruges is, is one of my in favorite Bruges movies In Bruges was nice yeah it was fun yeah, yeah. I love that one even though it's a little heavy at times but I, I, I want to see funny Colin Farrell so this is at least promising a little bit of that we also get Michelle Dockery Henry Golding's face when he's shooting a gun in this <laughs> trailer is hilarious uh, so I'm all in for that Charlie Hunnam, Successions, Jeremy Strong making weird faces, and of course Matthew McConaughey not making weird faces. Mm -hmm. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. I like rock and roll. I think it's underrated, yeah. so I'll give this one a shot. But like I said, a couple action movies coming up that I'm not crazy about, and the first of which is going to be Six Underground, which will be Michael Bay's Epic return to filmmaking, I guess, that aren't Transformer movies. Premise, I genuinely don't know what's going on here, other than Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is leading a team of soldier-like men right, who women. are presumed to be dead, and there's a woman with a pink gas mask and an impractically tight dress drawing their ire. Right. All that is correct. But here's the thing, and I don't know if this is a high bar, but I haven't been this excited for a Michael Bay movie since the 90s, though, Mike. I thought this... I thought the cinematography was awesome looking. I, I looked at your notes, and coming up, we very we differ very greatly on some of these things, and this is one of them. I could not care less about this trailer. I'm sorry. I love Ryan Reynolds. 
I'm not a big Michael Bay guy. So here's where I have some hope. Yeah. We have the writers of Deadpool penning this script, mm-hmm. the original Deadpool. That's Wernick, etc. I, I forgot the other guy's name. I'm sorry. Ryan Reynolds, Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards, yes. Dave Franco, the good Franco, Corey <laughs> Hawkins uh, from Straight Outta Compton, Adria Arjona, who is, I think she's wearing a mask at some point. She looks really cool. Let's just say this. they This is the coolest looking cast I've seen in a while. <laughs> like looks I, Michael Bay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what he does. It, it, I feel like this is like peak parody Michael Bay. Really? Like, this trailer was nothing but a testosterone-filled joyride. Yeah, you have heists that go wrong. You have huge magnets. You have a team of presumed dead SEAL right. Team 6 guys and girls. I'm kind of impressed a little bit with this trailer. I'm not going to lie to you. December 13th is the release date. I don't know if that means Netflix or if it's getting a brief theatrical release or what's what it's doing. I, hope I heard Netflix. I this for Oscars. That would be great. <laughs> Put it in theaters. Yeah. Explosions, rushing water, leaping from tall buildings, more gunfire than Afghanistan. Ryan Reynolds looking both worried and sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, it fits though. Michael Bay probably finished shooting this and just lit a cigar and put his hand down his pants like Al Bundy after a hard day's work, right? <laughs> like this is peak Michael Bay. Everything in this trailer. The man usually has good production values, though. He does. He's, Let's he's say that. Much. Very action heavy, yep. but he can shoot an action scene. You're very right there. It's only his third directed movie since he started doing the Transformers franchise in 2007. That's not a Transformers movie. He's got this Pain and Gain and 13 Hours, and he's got another movie on the horizon, Mike. If I were to have you just randomly guess with no clues as to the name of Michael Bay's next directorial feature film, how many guesses would it take for you to come up with Robopocalypse? Two? Wow. Three? Well, you know, <laughs> a lot. Uh, but I did hear that was being in you know in development. I read that book. It was not a good book. Oh, it's based on a book? It's based on a book. Uh, it was a really boring book, All unfortunately. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know why they're making that into a movie. I, uh, I, I like sci-fi. I like sci-fi books that are, you know, rumored to become a movie. And that's when I took it off the Audible shelf there. I'm rambling because I'm still a little upset that you're not into this movie at all. Can't you see, like, this being... Like, what was that Sandra Bullock film on Netflix that just 40 million people tuned into on its opening week? Can't you see... Bird Box. Bird, bird Box. Cage, Can't whatever, you see yeah. these, this being a Bird Box and Netflix oh, putting I'm not. Sat? Listen, I'm not saying that people aren't going to watch it at all. 50 million people yeah. watched this this week. Can't you see Netflix coming out with that stat? Sure, absolutely. I could. And Ryan Reynolds is a great leading man. Abs- a thousand percent. I could see people loving this. Yes. It's like a wannabe Mission Impossible Fast and Furious yes. movie. And it could totally... Fast and that. Furious is what I thought of, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can absolutely say that, yes. If that... Like, the algorithm is at work here. <laughs> yes. They want colorful masks. They want tight dresses. They want great cinematography. They want Ryan Reynolds. I'm just glad Michael Bay has evolved enough and learned from his time <laughs> on the Transformers set where he's not objectifying women anymore. Uh, the Kingsman <laughs> also had another look, another movie that I feel like is having 18 trailers. Uh, I think this is its second or third. Right. Premise, take the Kingsman series, give it a prequel, but make sure its trailer is as generically forgettable as an action movie can be. I know you quibble with that. Uh, go on. So February 14th is the release date here. Definite counter-programming for people who don't have dates. All right. I thought this was a cool-looking action movie trailer as well. I just... 
and be- a believer in Matthew Vaughn more often than not. Mm-hmm. He did the first two Taron Egerton uh, Kingsman movies. The first one I thought was terrific. He did Kick-Ass, and he did one of the, the X-Men reboots there. Good action. Right. He's from the Guy Ritchie gangster movies. He was on there as a writer-producer, I believe. So I want to him to succeed. We get a lot of action movie goods here that are that are really strong i mean ralph fines Gemma arterton i never say her name right uh jiman <laughs> hansu again i never say his name right but he's a mentor character here he's like training the kid aaron taylor johnson matthew good stanley tucci Jan- daniel brule charles dance and a badass looking reese ifans can't say their names <laughs> whose name doesn't belong there it's stanley tucci's we all know this but i uh, look you get you got a great cast you got action movie goods that are surprisingly cool in this, I thought. I, I, I'm just in a bad mood over the action genre. I don't disagree with anything you said. It's just that if I were to take these last three trailers to you, yeah. and I were to describe them without using the time periods the movies are set in or any names of the cast involved, you're not going to be able to differentiate them from one of the other. It's all the same premise of good guys and bad guys. It's the same trailer cut featuring a rock song backing white dudes firing guns at each other. There's one single female present to hit a quota in a feeble attempt so you don't can't be called sexist. What did wrestling do to you this week that you're so down on this formula that usually works for you? Just substitute punching instead of, you know, gunfighting. It was a bleak week in wrestling. It was. I knew knew it must have been. Uh, You're just sick of it, I guess. But all right. Well, the testosterone steak eating movies didn't work for you this week. Let's try this one. Arctic Dogs. I've never been so desperate to see an Arctic Dogs trailer after viewing these first three. (laughs) November 1st. It's coming out in theaters. I thought the action and animation is better than the comedy here i mean i mean it looks beautiful uh great voice acting cast jeremy renner john cleese angelica houston heidi klum michael madsen omar Sy. i'm not game for this though yeah this seems like a really weird voice acting cast too like alec baldwin i don't think of as a leading voice actor but okay he seems to have a big role in this angelica houston may sound like an odd choice at first but if you go into an imdb cv she actually has done a lot of voice acting lately michael madsen like, is there a fox that's going to get an ear chopped off in this? <laughs> Shut the door! What? You, you got to put two nails in it. One ain't going to be good enough. If it's just that for 90 minutes, I'll definitely will show up and see this. Uh, and James Franco is in this, so that'll probably do great at the box office now. Mm, uh-huh. True. Personal history of David Copperfield. Let's move on very quickly. Look. Let's move on very quick, quickly. <laughs> the premise, the adaptation of the Dickens novel of the same name, featuring Deb Patel in the titular That's role. That's a terrible premise. Just shame on you. Shame on you. Because this is Armando Iannucci from some hilarious movies, The Death of Stalin. Okay, that wasn't that funny. But in the loop, he's a veep guy. Yeah, you got Dev Patel. We thought he was going to be up for Oscars, mm-hmm. you know, playing this off-kilter. Like, this is basically to the extent of a parody of a Dickens novel, the, the way I looked at it. Because this was hilarious, this trailer. Did you read this this book? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever read it. But I'm laughing throughout, and you did not laugh once? Nothing about this is funny. I hope this never comes out. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hugh Laurie alone. Just his face alone is hilarious. Form a cue. I mean, come on. Don't you like British jokes at all? Are you not an Anglophile in the least? Is this Downton Abbey's doing? I, I, Who hurt you this week? I spent my, mot- my, my happiness and joy on the Hugh Grant career revitalization, and that's all I have for these trailers. That's it. That's all. That was the furthest you could go. <laughs> that's it. Like, I was did, just. I, did you? These get, didn't do it for me. I, I don't know. I, the action movies. I think. 
think are becoming a little cliche of themselves. This but movie, this I just didn't see anything worthwhile for me. I hope it's different. I hope Tilda I was watching Swinton, and it's not the same. Tilda Swinton made me she ch- kicks, chuckle. She, she made kicks me chuckle. a woman off the horse yes. because that's not a horse, it's a donkey. She kicks her <laughs> that off. That made me laugh. But Funny. the follow-up joke where Hugh Laurie was like, she's a, she's a sweet woman. I mean, it's just fine. <laughs> It's irony, Mike. It's simple irony, but you're dealing with a trailer here. It's good. I, I, I was I was laughing throughout this trailer. I laughed a couple times, so I, I think it's too bad that this is not a player and you know the best you know adapted screenplay. So this is market. one that we talked about that did get moved to January, right? It opened the London Film Fest already. So, People have seen it already. So this says it's opening in the UK on January 10th. Do you share concerns that this is going to be a terrible movie, like you said? The Guy Ritchie one will be? I don't know. We'll have to have some of our listeners weigh in from across the pond. Is January your crap month? Are you guys getting good <laughs> movies in January? New releases they in January? They get all the preview of all the good Oscar movies and it's just a backwards look. Well, maybe they get calendar. March movies yeah. out there. You know, their typical March mo- our typical March movies in January. I don't know what they get in January. Zero point zero. <laughs> I thought. I thought I read somewhere this was coming out in February or later. So who knows? All right, Zombieland Double Tap. I'm excited for this. So I saw this ahead of the Joker movie. I don't know if you did, too. I can't remember if I did or not, to be honest with you. A few more jokes. Look, we're going to be doing an all-the-horror episode with uh, a zombie double tap preview. I don't know if we'll be able to review this as a movie event or on MMO Weekly, how we're going to cover the movie itself, but... For that preview, we're asking all of our friends and podcasters how they would spend their zombie apocalypse. We're going to have fun with the clip show, and uh, we'll comment on all their answers. And I think your answer is going to be hide and, and poop yourself. Just stay in the fetal position and soil yourself. Yeah, and Maybe the stench <laughs> will keep the zombies away. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with this last year. We did all the horror. We had a special all yes. the horror with them uh, in February as well. We reviewed American Psycho, so we really like uh, participating and being part of this. So uh, look forward to that. It was Our episode was a big hit last year, too. So we hope you come back and, and listen to us and listen to all our podcast friends. And we hope you give us something that uh, is a little memorable that you can laugh with uh, in the spooky season. Yes. Let's move on to what we're watching, Michael. That's what we're watching. Thank you. I watched a bunch of stuff. I thought it was a little more on the boring side this week okay. so i kicked what we're watching down to this segment so i'm going to try and entertainingly cover boring movies so you have the takes about what you actually watched that my takes were about the trailers <laughs> yeah so i watched maiden and i thought this was very strong uh it's about an english sailing team composed of all women who competed in an around the world race in 1989 okay b plus all day they, I like how they wove the backstories into it, how they shot the race itself. Who had a camera back then other than the, right. the women uh, on the boats? But, the, I mean, it's crazy some of the things that happened. Look, I, I think, you know, they were honest about this. Like, this is not, like, all that sensational in terms of the what happens okay. other than the fact that people are sailing around the world and you and I would probably drown in a bathtub. Likely. So, you know, <laughs> it's astounding to me what people can do. But yet still a B plus. Yeah, it's still a B plus because it's well made, but it's just not. I, I was expecting more. So you don't expect this to make any no any waves per se <laughs> in the Oscars race. <laughs> no. All no. right. How dare you, Diego Maradona? Now fans are truly fanatical, Michael. That's what I've learned in this. This is another sobering take on like sports. Mm-hmm. Fans are nuts. Sure, they are nuts. True. And that was my biggest takeaway. I n- knew nothing about this man's incredible career. If you mentioned his name, I'm not a soccer fan, just never have been. If you mentioned his name to me a few days ago and asked me who he is, I would be like, 
did he edit the Terminator? No, I okay. don't know. I All mean, right. you Conrad Buff, Diego Maradona, I would not have known. <laughs> it's pseudonyms for one another. Pseudonyms. So he had drug issues. He had problems with the Camorra, the, the mafia over sure there did, in yeah. Naples. This documentary was pretty special. It is long and boring, though, in a way. So it's another, really? Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it definitely drags. I would have thought with all his, like, mafia ties and the drug ties that it would have been a It's little... okay. It, it's it's kind of boring. Now, this is from The Ringer, or at least it's from Bill Simmons. He had something to do with it. I don't know if it's from The Ringer per se, but I know he was involved in the making of this, so it's one of his I was uh, pieces. I also watched Memory, The Origins of Alien. Was for... this boring? Get this, the lead out of the way. This was very boring. In oh, the no! And I, I was very sad about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Because I, I love that Clark Wolf from Sending the Wolf. She's on there, and we're big fans of hers. Yeah. A lot of film scholars that I really enjoy. Some of the cast telling production stories was cool. You got some of the main scenes, some of the most memorable scenes of Ridley Scott's Alien. You're given like 20 minutes on the biggest one, and, and that was awesome to essentially close okay, the film. Okay, so there's highs. There's highs. It's not Room 237, though. Right. And that's what I was kind of hoping I for. See. There's also an introduction that is just unwatchable, and it nah. just really pissed me off. I, I, I didn't know if I was watching the correct movie. I was like, did, did I buy the wrong movie? Oh, what the hell am I watching? That's disheartening. So do they try to, like, I, I don't want you to spoil it, obviously, but do they try to, like, reenact something? Yeah, or, there's, yeah. like, this fictional kind of thing. Uh, and I don't I don't get it. It's like land. a Shakespeare reference to, like, witches or something. All right. Didn't that's work. sad, man. I, was, I had high hopes for this. So it's like a C for me, because some of the stuff is really cool, but, yeah, I, I wasn't that Well, impressed. maybe you're just tempering expectations now. Maybe you can go into it with lowered expectations if you if you do seek it out yourself, and you'll be pleasantly surprised by what's there, maybe. Yeah, maybe I lowered your expectations, yeah. like you said. Stuber also sucked. Tonal mess. <laughs> oh, no. It's the script's problem. Like, this is just forcing the friendship between these two oh, to the point of ridiculousness. And like, that sucks because they have a genuine, real friendship and compatibility in real life, Kamel Nanjiani and Dave Bautista. There's one point, it, it, like 35 minutes in, if your only tether to the script is you need a five-star rating mm-hmm. on as an Uber driver, you know, driving around this policeman <laughs> who is... And especially, like, he has all this incentive to go elsewhere. The woman he loves is, like, calling him to come over. And he has all this incentive to go. To and he's go like, elsewhere. "No, I need to Uber drive no, this I cop." These five stars. Oh boy! Is, so is it, does the setup be like if he doesn't get a five star rating, he loses job? Is that at least in there? No, or? it's no, just it's that just he has he a lower rating, point. and the average is down. Uh, like, what are we doing? Uh, and then there's nonsense. Like, they just create so much property damage that as a lawyer. <laughs> You would be, lose my head. You would lose your mind, <laughs> and it's just—it's just not funny. I was really disappointed in this. I, I, I even, you know, got hyped up for it after you know listening to his interviews, right. and I was still holding out. It's like, all right, I'm going to get this on yeah. VOD. Yeah. I, you know, the critics be damned. Forty percent or critics be damned. I want to like this. It was bad. Oh no! Well, all right. So, so what about in the shadow of the moon? Any, it's also any bad. Oh no! It's way too simple to figure out. <laughs> How like, are you so positive through the trailers after having this week? <laughs> I, I mentioned I like these movies even when they're bad, but this reminded me the bad beards. Just <laughs> the bad beard here reminded me, and the bad makeup. Revenge of the hair. I mean, there's a Bokeem Woodbine bald head flap or whatever. Uh-huh. He, he or he gets a, some hair. A bald that, cap? Not a bald cap because there, it's, you can see the bald cap, but then you can see like the hair, uh-huh. you know, the fryer tuck behind it. Right. Whatever old bald guys do that we'll have to do soon, I'm sure. <laughs> so there, it looks so preposterous that I was laughing. And 
It, the beards were so bad, it reminded me of Ben Stiller in The Heartbreak Kid, which was one of <laughs> the worst wow. movies. Yeah. One of the worst movies I remember in the 2000s. And... I love that movie. No, you How dare you? No, yes, I You do. are wrong. No, I love that, that movie. That movie I adore was it. so trash. <laughs> I remember hating it so much. The, the, just the, it goes off the rails at the end. I know. <laughs> so does this movie. Like, he's just like, why would any... I was so mad at rom-coms at that point. Like, you're mad at... When Harry met Sally. Yes, but like, I, I can understand she, your rage. Why would they get together after that? Like he has just proven himself to be the world's ultimate stalker nightmare. He should Douche, be locked yeah. up. It's he been a couple be years. Up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a new perspective. You better have a new right. perspective. You just like the title because I think you're a Shawn Michaels fan. Big Shawn Michaels fan. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is. But In the Shadow of the Moon is not worth watching, unfortunately. And I like these murder mysteries that meld in sci-fi. Unfortunately, it's just bad. All right. So I know you got a couple more. I'm hoping one of them is positive. But of these all bad ones, a quick C by skip. Okay. What would you recommend out of what you just t- said right now as a C by skip? Well, Maiden for for sure, and Diego Maradona. Donna was it was vegetables watching but it was solid okay. it was solid okay so i'd recommend those two for- all right and if you had to skip one and just not give it time whatsoever so oh far. i would never watch stuber again i would never watch in the shadow of the moon so again sad. and i, I tell you for birders i was up for birders this is a 37 minute you know short film on netflix mm-hmm. about bird you know, people and you know, people who bird, bird watch. people, the people who bird watch in <laughs> Texas coming. and Mexico. They're coming and they're here. The bird people. <laughs> Never a more boring film. Oh, I was just. I, how do you make a thirty-seven minute movie this boring? They make it about they, bird watching. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I answered my own gosh darn question. But this is terrible, unfortunately. And I get excited at you know a short film on Netflix at this stage sure, of the game. Sure, right, right, right. Because you never know. It you might get nominated. Maybe, right. If they, they're this high on it, it's already on Netflix. Of Let's course. go. They're trying to get it exposure. Yeah, I share your enthusiasm there. and just didn't deliver, huh? Oh, oh. Terrible, terrible, All right. terrible, terrible. So did you at least end on a good note? Best thing I watched this week was The Queen with Thank Helen God. Mirren. I tried to fall asleep through to it, and I stayed up for the first like ninety minutes. I had to finish it off this morning. Weirdly rewatchable. I am an Anglophile. You are not. I don't know if you've ever loved loved this movie, but I'm a big fan. I I've have I seen the Queen? I don't even know if I've ever actually seen it. You've seen the Crown, and you think that's the Queen? It's what I'm. That's exactly the <laughs> what was going on in my mind right there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> all right. So at least you had a happy ending to all of this. That was not happy. That's why I kicked it to this segment. It's just like right. said, like all right. Also, Mike doesn't really right. recommend these things. Even the good ones are boring. And at least you watch contemporary stuff. I had maybe the most prototypical Mike one week of watching things that I've ever had because I watch no movies. I watched nothing new. All I watched was pro wrestling and Dimension 20 dropout college humor stuff, basically. You, you watch Suicide Squad and Joker. Right. And, I, I watched Judy. stuff for this. You watch those yeah. three. Right. But as far as like my own, left to my own devices, I just let my brain melt. Uh, it was a big week for pro wrestling. It was probably the biggest week since like 2001 when WCW went out of business. Raw had its season debut, season premiere. I thought it was kind of weak. Uh, a lot of people were high on it, though, so that's fine. AEW finally debuted their weekly show. It went head-to-head with NXT, which is the WWE's minor 
League brand. Okay. I thought both shows were fantastic. Oh, really? And it was like, it felt like old school Monday Night Watching where I was flipping between WCW and WWE back in the day, the Monday Night Wars. Okay, good. I was going back and forth on those two on Wednesday. Uh, I didn't watch Survivor. Again, you take this all from a perspective of a 90-year-old man, because uh, that's pretty much what my viewing tastes are. But here, that's the thing. You refused to, you chose those up-and-coming wrestling shows over Survivor. For one week, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will probably go back to watching Survivor, but I just wanted to see what AEW, how it was going to be formatted and paced and what kind of angles they would be starting for their long runs. And I, I liked it, and you could tell NXT was just trying to keep pace and right out the box and just trying to outdo them. They kind of had slyly some video packages of their guys, the WWE guys, beating mm-hmm. up people who are now in AEW, mm-hmm. which was kind of a, a little sending of a message. They had some nice twists in NXT, too. Uh, Wednesdays are going to be fun, I think, because NXT, by and large, far and away, has been the most consistent, high-quality branch of WWE right now, even though it's considered the quote-unquote minor leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're trying to establish it as its own thing. AEW is going head-to-head with it. It'll be a lot of fun. I had some quibbles with AEW, but it's fine. SmackDown, which was what what I was most excited for, because that's Fox. supposed to become the new big show. Right, and they're trying to make that the new kind of flagship of WWE, and they treated it like it was like an NFL on Fox production, which I was happy about. Aaron Andrews did backstage reporting, which was fun to see. Uh, They had, like, Marshmello, the DJ, the songwriter, involved in there in a script, even gave him a shot at the 24-7 title, which was funny. (laughs) Tyson Fury got involved. He had a head-to-head matchup with Braun Strowman, which was fun, the boxer, so that was fun to see. They were really bringing out all their A-game. It was sad how they treated Kofi Kingston, who had just won the belt at WrestleMania, but now since they're going mainstream on Fox, you could tell they have no use for him as a main event player. So they just kind of disregarded him. They had Brock Lesnar beat him in five seconds, literally. And the reason they had that happen was because their big end-of-show reveal. Mike, you're a big sports fan. You even watch UFC a lot. If I were to say Cain Velasquez, does that have meaning to you? Sure. Okay. I don't know that that it does to a lot of people. Cain Velasquez was their big reveal at the end of SmackDown. He came out to challenge Brock Lesnar. Cain Velasquez had a lot of legendary battles in the octagon with Brock Lesnar. He's a very well-established former UFC champion. He's a famous name in the cage fighting world. He got no reaction. The crowd, like, popped because there was a body there that they didn't know, but they didn't pop because they knew who Cain Velasquez was. And I think we had some people commenting on our Twitter when I was posting about it that said they didn't realize who Cain Velasquez was until the announcers said, oh, my God, that's Cain Velasquez. So I don't know how that landed as a big twist. Now, he got into it with Brock Lesnar. They were throwing punches. It was entertaining. But I, I'm, I'm very worried if WWE, now that they have broadcast money, is going to start pushing just every celebrity they can in lieu of these guys who have broken their backs and been in there week in and week out trying to keep this thing on the air and trying to make as much money as they can. I mean, obviously Tyson Fury is going to be involved now. Cain Velasquez is probably going to be getting a well, headline match. trying to make him, you know, right. major wrestling. Exactly. Yeah. But these guys are coming in for the first time being pushed in these main event spots. And who is it costing? The guys lower on the card. So I have... I'm very interested to see where, where professional wrestling goes, but that was kind of your professional wrestling minute because that's all I watched for a majority of this week in my free that's time. That's all. That's like one, two, three, <laughs> four wrestling shows that go for four hours apiece. You know how I bust your chops about you being like the perfect demographic for food and food commercials? Yeah. And you got that's me with pro wrestling. I will suck it up and I will watch anything you give me with pro That was wrestling. 16 hours of content or, if or so? There is a grown man who probably has done steroids wearing spandex. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, all of these shows you watch have people in their underwear. I just I just want to point that I'm out. I'm a simple that man, dawned on me. and I'm easy to please. 
Uh, Dimension 20 doesn't have people in their underwear. We had Brendan Lee Mulligan on uh, in January, I think, of yeah. this year. The the Unsleeping City is the latest season of that. I just started getting you back like that. You like long-form content, I really man. Do. I'm still I getting really through do. season one. I'm like I'm like almost done with season one because they put that on there. Yeah, yeah. on YouTube there yeah. for free. Uh, this has the first, I think, seven episodes. Uh, I'm with you. The long-form stuff, you're absolutely right. There was another college humor thing that was like three hours that I just put on in the background while I was getting ready for like this episode and stuff. So that's what I watched. Not a lot of variety, not a lot of stuff. If I had to see by skip, uh, definitely go check out a uh, aew and nxt what they're doing on wednesdays seems pretty special i will buy that i will definitely see smackdown i got worries about raw uh but see overall go watch brendan lee morgan what on sleeping city channel is raw on raw's on usa still so still. Basic, basic cable yeah basis so usa for basic cable nxt is on usa for basic cable aew's tnt and smackdown of course just went to broadcast for the first time so it's on fox what does like the world wrestling channel because they have their own network too, mm-hmm. right? What mm-hmm. do they broadcast during Raw? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I know they show like repeat stuff a lot. They don't have television rights to their own programming because of the contracts they sign with the channels, the networks. So what the hell do they broadcast in general? Old paper. Well, no, they they can't show a Raw until like thirty days after it happened. Okay. So after that point, they get so you have every old pay per view, every old episode of Raw up to thirty days prior, every old episode of SmackDown. There's so much content on that network right. for a wrestling junkie like me. It's a gold mine. Um, so I'll be paying them until I die. What a <laughs> bizarre what we're watching segment today. Because we're watching weird shit, covering all angles of the uh, viewing universe. That's what we do here. You know, other than, of course, the you know college humor stuff. That's, I feel like I just stuff. droned on for like twenty five minutes. You did. about pro wrestling. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's wrap up with some. Do you care? This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? Uh, The way we start off every Do You Care segment every week is I ask this joy of a man, this sweet, innocent, guiding light to all our lives, Michael here, about about the upcoming releases in the theaters and if we care about them. And this week, Michael, we have going nationwide, The Addams Family, Gemini Man, oh boy, Jexy, how that's getting a nationwide release is beyond me. And Parasite opens limited. We obviously don't care about that one, right? So Parasite, we're all about Parasite. Yes. Of course we are. And uh, we're going to review that ASAFP mm-hmm. for you. We're hoping the end of this week. Yes, so we're fingers gonna, crossed we're gonna there. we're going to scramble to go see it. The Adams Family coming out nationwide. And that is something that we praised, you know, the trailers for thus far. Mm-hmm. Gemini Man was something that... You know, its trailer looked good, and then it did not get we should any have stuck with our first instinct. We weren't high on the first trailer. We got sucked in by that second trailer, and we should have known better that any time a second trailer looks so radically different. Right. Yeah, that's on us. But, ter- surprisingly and shockingly low scores across the board for that, I would say. For an Ang Lee film, for a Will Smith film especially. We got some great VOD films to watch yeah. this week. Little Monsters is coming on Hulu. That's with Lapita Nyong'o fighting zombies with kindergartners. I'm very excited for that one. Josh I don't Gad. own Hulu. I have to figure out a way to, find, to see it, but 
I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. And El Camino is coming out on Netflix. This is the Breaking Bad movie. Excited for that, too. So we're, we're going to watch those two. Lion King debuts as well on VOD. I don't know if I'm going to go in for that again, but I'm, I'm definitely in for those top two. And Parasite, so we got at least three movies to watch this week. Yeah, that's the good news. Let's talk about some not-so-good news. Yeah, James Franco's acting students are filing a lawsuit alleging sexual exploitation Michael. Okay. So, I'm not surprised by this, and right. that fact is a real downer and a yep. bummer. That sucks. Uh, well, this story mindset. came out last year with yeah. Disaster We've been covering this story ago. since the original allegations, like you just said, not long after Franco won his Golden Globe for the Disaster Artist. I think we both feel like because this story broke then... That's why he wasn't nominated for the Oscars, and Denzel got that fifth slot for Roman J. Israel Esquire. James mm-hmm. Franco was nowhere to be found, but... Okay, so the original thing was that a couple women alleged that his acting school was unsavory, and he was doing some really exploitative things. That story kind of fell by the wayside. I'm not going to joke about that phrase now, because these are serious allegations. You were tempted to joke about it, despite... Yeah! No, that's accurate. <laughs> I was. That's a you problem. Right, absolutely. Maybe that's your greatness. That's certainly, no, that's a me problem. That's absolutely true. Uh, But, so that story just kind of went away without any real resolution. And now we have two former students making an official complaint. The original complaint, the original allegations were for five former James Franco acting school students. Now we have two of those. One of these two is one of the original five, which means that this is, I think, a sixth. That second person here is a sixth new allegation making these claims against James Franco. Um, that's sad. A lot of this is sad and depressing and gross, and a lot of the allegations are downright brutal. To Franco's credit, I don't know that he deserves any based on what these allegations are, but he's thus far denied every allegation of this kind, and his attorney has said that the previous claims were already debunked. I don't think that's a valid claim. I don't remember there being evidence presented debunking this, but uh, what is true is Franco's repeated denial and a few late-night talk show appearances in which he praised the Me Too movement and applauded that it brought about conversations which needed to be had, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Here, I just want to quote real quick, are the allegations from the current complaint as told by Gene Mattias for Variety. Quote, Franco engaged in widespread, inappropriate, and sexually charged behavior towards female students by sexualizing their power as a teacher and an employer by dangling the opportunity for roles in their projects. Quote, as plaintiffs experienced and observed, Studio 4, which is the name of the acting school, served no other legitimate purposes other than to dupe unsuspecting and often very young, quote, students out of their money and talent to serve defendants' financial and exploitative desires, the suit states. As part of the school, Franco taught a masterclass on sex scenes, according to the complaint. In auditions for the masterclasses, the students were pressured to engage in sexual activity that went well beyond the industry norm, the plaintiffs allege. The auditions were taped, and Franco would review the tape to see who would be allowed into the class. Uh, I'm not going to get on my soapbox here. You know where we stand on these types of allegations. You know where we stand on these types of of victims and these uh, awful, awful actions. I will say this. Ever since the original allegations came out two years ago, we have spoken in ill tones about James Franco. uh, And this is a reason why. Uh, This is the the main reason why. That this hasn't gone away. It hasn't been resolved. There's, you know... One allegation is something. When you get to three or four allegations, now it's up to six, uh, usually smoke equals fire, is what I'll say. I don't know. We we work with kids. Yeah. I, I just I can't imagine a world where, as a teacher, you would influence kids in this direction. Because these are not that old. These people are not that old, much older than the kids I work with. And this is a difference. guy who's 
come out and admitted that as a 35 year old in 2014, I think it was on Yahoo. He came out and admitted to joking around sexually with a 17 year old who was visiting New York and, and going into her DMS and trying to like joke about it. I mean, there's, there's a history here that this is all slimy and gross. It's It's wrong. It's just very wrong, very wrong. And, uh, you know, we, can't do anything but our heart goes out to these victims and we're going to keep an eye on this story unfortunately we don't like talking about it we don't like reporting on it but it's an a-list actor and it's out there and we have to obviously recognize it and lawsuit fun doesn't stop there michael because robert de niro has been given a countersuit by the former employee that we talked about a couple weeks ago he was suing for six million dollars the countersuit has been filed uh, alleging some unseemly stuff towards him yeah this is a dark turn for this whole story yeah we covered it a couple weeks back Apparently, she embezzled millions of dollars from his production company. But that's not why the story broke so big and went viral, as many people have termed it lately. Because what happened and what was cited in the lawsuit, this original $6 million lawsuit, is that over a period of four days, she watched 55 episodes of Friends on her Netflix during work hours. And that was kind of a bizarre detail on the story. It's a lot of Friends. That's a lot of friends. It's not like an unusual amount of friends in four days. I mean, I probably did something similar at one point last year. Probably, yeah. We've, we've all been there. And was some of it during work hours, perhaps. <laughs> all right, look. Uh, so this story has taken a dark turn because she has accused him in a countersuit of double the $6 million, $12 million for gender discrimination and fostering an abusive working environment for women, women u- using sexist language, C-bombs, etc., for calling her his work wife, Etc. Who knows? And, and as far as we're concerned, yeah. what's happening here? Yeah, this made ABC's World News tonight this past week, and they played a tape of a voicemail from De Niro that was released by her lawyer. I'm just one person, but just based on my reaction to that voicemail, was it seemed like an obvious attempt to draw public criticism to the side of hers and paint De Niro in a very negative light, as opposed to the voicemail being objectively lewd and awful. Uh, It seemed like uh, a manipulation or a chess move in this lawsuit because he swears on it and he's very angry, but they really didn't sound unlike how at least I would expect A-listers in Hollywood to speak to their assistants sometimes if they couldn't get a hold of them. And that was the whole basis of the voicemail. Now... There's other allegations attached to us, and like you said, we don't know, we're not there, and if she's claiming this, obviously she thinks it's an unseemly work environment, and if she thinks it's an unseemly work environment, I hope she gets any kind of help she needs to change that or remove herself from that environment. Uh, Obviously, it, it seems like there's something that can't be worked out there by her, and I hope that she gets the peace that she's seeking from this, if so nothing else. If if she is alleging truths, and you know, we, we've always taken it like like this, I mean... Societal norms have changed. No longer will claims of abuse and, and rape and discrimination be ta- just be thrown out, right. we hope. And that's been a testament yeah. to movements that, you know, comedians like Bill Burr, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of white men out there have damned because, of course, you could have people who lie on the other side of it. Now, right. if there's ever been a case that we have looked at where somebody could be obviously be lying, it's the case where he accuses her where he said she embezzled $6 million or whatever she embezzled. And then she makes all these claims that this work environment was toxic and doubles the lawsuit. I don't think that number is is accidental. I would agree. And the evidence that she presented doesn't, 
just based, just analyzing that piece of evidence, it doesn't match up now, with what she's claiming. If he did the things she said yes. he did, then this is contemptible, and of Absolutely. course we can't stand Absolutely. by Robert De Niro, and this is this is terrible. Absolutely, and he's wrong. Yep. And whatever, full extent of the law, full extent of the civil suit. You know, we 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 would say, you know, all that. We don't know. No. And where we can land on it here is what happens to him in the Oscar race. He is involved with Joker. And it has enough controversy attached to it. Yeah. And this hits during its opening weekend. We just had The Irishman debuting at the New York Film Festival. Obviously, Robert De Niro's looking at an Oscar campaign for that film. He's a big part of that movie. Is this story, whether it's true or not, going to sink chances or at least sour people on Robert De Niro going into this whole Oscar season. I'll say, as far as that goes, ABC had this Wednesday or Thursday, and I haven't really seen a lot of fallout or ire drawn De Niro's way. Maybe everybody views it in that same way. Maybe the, uh, everybody thinks the evidence presented isn't that strong, but again, we're only commented specifically about the evidence presented because I don't think it is that strong well, for the, this case. Right, the evidence presented to the public. Right. Who knows, Who what knows what's... Do. Yes. I mean, in the here, the allegations are strong enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the allegations are bad. I mean, and if she, if, the, if she thinks, you know, regardless of what the objective truth is, I believe if she truly thinks that's what's going on, I hope, again, I just reiterate, I hope she finds peace. And if that means removing herself from that situation, I hope that's what happens. And yet, she's already been accused right. of embezzling millions of dollars right. from him. I can't help but wonder, like you, if that original suit wasn't right. filed, does this suit ever happen? Because, I mean, we always say people are people. People are going to lie and people are going to not lie. And the problem is, is that the people in power have just assumed people bringing allegations against them, you know, for the most part, have been lying. Yeah. And we, we've had movements like been a problem. Yeah, Salem freaking witch this. trials, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Throughout time and memoriam, it has not been ba- fair and balanced. It has not been even at all. And that's why movements like Me Too, you know, we've talked about it in a nuanced way. But this seems to me like this is, this is... It seems like an abuse of the system. This causality, though... Yeah doesn't look good for her let's no. just say that no and i don't i guess i don't think the, the evidence James presented to, yeah. i mean considering that this voicemail was leaked by her attorney i don't think this shapes up well for her because you would think that they obviously think this is a do crucial have, piece that would sway public opinion right and do, i don't think it lands do they up. have pa- a paper trail yeah. that shows she embezzled six million dollars right or whatever million dollars she did yeah so they probably do if he's following that lawsuit i would Right, I would agree. right. Well, because why, why would he? Why would he bother? Yeah, I listen. He certainly doesn't need the money, so yeah, I would. I would agree with what you're saying. I think I don't we, know. We maybe he's not. May, I mean, maybe she. Maybe she's totally innocent in all of this. We don't know. We're gonna have to keep keep an open mind to it. We'll see, and we'll follow up as if the story develops. But let's end on some happy news, at least. Some happy news because Netflix has a lot of money, and they are giving <laughs> it out to creators here. Stranger Things season four has been greenlit officially after the Duffer Brothers signed a nine figure michael nine figures means a hundred thousand dollars plus zero 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 cents no it means a hundred million dollars <laughs> it means that plus a hundred i mean two hundred million dollars just went to david and dan yeah you know db weiss and david benioff from game of thrones right wow do they have a lot of money to throw around at the creative side makes no sense <laughs> understand how they have all this money or what the yearly what? breakdown is or the duffer brothers did one good thing yeah. Stranger Things. And it's an awesome thing. It's their flagship show, yeah. I would argue. And that's great. Yeah. 
Is it worth a hundred million plus dollars that you're gonna bet on their, you know, whatever their next series is? Amazon should have buried the money when they rolled out the announcement of what they gave Phoebe Waller Bridge because it's starting to look worse and worse with each one of these deals that passes by. And again, there's a big difference. I understand that Stranger yeah. Things has three seasons and a lot more episodes, and Fleabag doesn't, but. I just can't help but think every time one of these massive deals rolls across the table, how Phoebe Waller-Bridge is kind of at a discount. At least David Benioff, though, did like six or seven right. really good things, right. and then he hit it out of the park, right. making billions of dollars for HBO with Game of Thrones. Right. But th- that makes sense. It's lesser and, and lesser, yeah. And you might have made billions of dollars or a billion dollars for Netflix based on Yeah, who knows? Things. Off merchandising and licensing and stuff. Who yeah. knows what kind of money this brought in? Obviously, it's a wildly successful program. It's a wildly successful show. And if they didn't think it was a moneymaker for them, if they didn't know it was making them all sorts of money, this deal wouldn't happen. I just quiver at the thought of Netflix's accounting department. <laughs> What they must keep track of on a daily basis. How much debt that company has to be running on right now. And their receivables must just be through the roof. My They're probably God. paying the accountants seven figures. <laughs> keep track of it all. All right. That's your week in review and preview. That's all we got for you on this episode of MMO Weekly. Like always, want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about this or anything else we have touched on in the MMO Empire, our Joker character study uh as well as any kind of review, OSP, anything that we've done, you can leave those with us. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. At MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And like we said earlier in the episode, if you would just be so kind to tap on the podcast app, uh, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar and submit into the search. Tap on our logo, scroll down once you'll see the opportunity to leave us five stars. If you can do that, we really appreciate it. Michael, tell these fine people what is coming next from MMO and give them some words of wisdom to start their work weeks with. Yeah, we're going to finish the Joker character study with a Joker award show. We're basically going to culminate all of our segments on the show. Most memorable quote, most memorable action, most evil <laughs> deed. It's It writes itself. Yeah. You know, basically what we, had, what we were talking about That'd during the series. So that will be fun. We'll, we can rank our, our favorite Jokers, which is probably not going to be a surprise to you at the end of the day in terms of suspense, but we'll be we'll have some fun talking yeah, about... Yeah, if there's a Joker yeah. award that you want us to give out, let us know. I'm, I haven't done all my zany awards yet. I'm going to put those in, but best laugh. Yeah. I'm going to get a bunch of weird ones. I like it. I'll get I some like weird it. ones ready for us, so I promise you that. I promise you it won't fly off a cliff of despair halfway through the episode like we did today. <laughs> Because I, I I knew this was gonna happen. That's why I bumped what we're watching down. Because like I didn't like anything this yeah. week, even the stuff that I re- begrudgingly grade highly. And I knew you were you know, you weren't gonna love the trailers. So we kicked it all down. We did the happy <laughs> stuff first. <laughs> and then the, usually MMO weeklies are much happier across the board. Yes. The do you care is that we do we cover movie and you know announcements whatever it was this week. It was all down. Maybe that's Joker's fault. I don't know. But it was all downward spiral stories and we have to cover it sometimes next week we got you know new york city comic-con to cover we got the new york film festival fallout we got a couple film festivals around the world that are going to be kicking off so we got a lot more cool stuff to do with parasite with uh, dolomite is my name osps over the next few weeks a lot of cool stuff though yeah 
lot of stuff coming from MLMO, and we hope that uh, you'll keep tuning in, and we appreciate every time you do. Click the play button. Guys, like always, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. Uh, do you have words of wisdom for the fine people? It's just wise to say that MMOW is not usually as down <laughs> as this. Like, we swear we're like, happier. We're happier usually, but sometimes we got to yeah, The seasons are changing. Night is coming earlier. It's seasonal affective depressive disorder. That's all it is. Like, what did I have? I could have watched Toy Story 4 again. Yeah. Midsommar probably would have left me down regardless. It wouldn't have gotten you I depressed, I don't think. It might okay. have gotten you in a Spider-Man rage. Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming and Toy Story 4 is what I should have rewatched. Yeah. I should have taken my mother back to Downton Abbey again. I should have done those <laughs> things, and then I would have had a happier last half it's of the show. It's a lesson learned. It's a program it today. Yeah, yeah. It's a lesson learned. <laughs> Guys, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness, and we will see you on Happier Times soon. See you.